Why? Why? Who says it's gravity? Newton. <laughs> there you go. So what goes up must come down. And, and this guy in the 1600s named Isaac Newton, he observed what? An apple falling from a tree, right? And the, 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 the story says that he was like napping under the tree and the apple hit him. There's no proof to that. But he observed an apple. And because he's a scientist, a mathematician, he, he works out a mathematical equation on gravity. And you could go online and I watched a video from Khan Academy. I still couldn't figure out the equation, but it's he, because I don't do math, right? So, yeah, so, so this, this guy, Newton comes up with this physical law of gravity. And, and if, if you took physical science in, in school, you'll know that he came up with three physical laws, right? Three physical laws of motion. The one I like is that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And so, so the picture I get is the, the guy who's um, over 4th of July weekend. He's been on the, on the boat at the sandbar. He's been drinking a lot of adult beverages. And he's getting ready to go, go off the boat. And he steps onto the dock with one foot, putting pressure. And as he's, the force he's putting against the dock, he's also putting against the boat. And what happens? The boat separates and the guy falls flat into the water. And you can watch this at any dock um, in Kosciuszko County over 4th of July weekend. You'll see it. And it happened this past weekend. The, the law of motion took place in people's lives because they had a, an action and there was an equal and opposite reaction. And these are physical laws that we live by in our world. Now, now in 1600, when Newton figured this out, it wasn't that all of a sudden apples stopped floating around. It was that for thousands of years prior, things just fell to the ground. And it, was, it took this man to, to kind of put it into words and into numbers and do an equation so that we can now talk about it and still not understand what he did. But we know that there's physical laws. So if I take this mic and I drop this mic, what am I saying? It's a mic drop, right? And I'm saying, I'm killing it. <laughs> some, of, some of you guys, I had to ask what it meant to drop a mic, so I'm in that age bracket. <laughs> but apparently, if you do a really good job, you drop, your, drop the mic and walk off, right? But if I drop this mic, now that was a really, we don't use that mic, so it doesn't matter. We could kick it around. But that mic fell to the ground, right? That mic's not going to float up because we live in a world with physical laws that, that whether we choose to abide by them or not, they're at play. They're, they're working in our world. So I could jump off a building and say, I don't believe in the physical law of gravity. And guess what's going to happen? I'm going to be proven wrong, right? I'm going to splat to the ground. And, and so, so here's the, here's the tie-in. Just as there's physical laws, there's spiritual laws, or what I want to call them is kingdom laws, that as followers of Jesus, the Bible gives us, and, and, and I don't even want to call them laws, I want to call them kingdom principles, that the Bible gives us that we can employ in our life to walk in God's kingdom, to live out our, our, his calling for our life, to, to live a life that's pleasing to him. There's, there's, there's spiritual kingdom principles that, that we could read about in the Bible, and we've all read about them. I'm not going to say anything really spectacular today. You're going to say, oh yeah, I understand that one. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some of these, these kingdom principles that, that, that God has put into place for us as, as followers to employ in our life for, to, to do his work to live out this lifestyle that we call Christianity. Or, or I like to say it as being a follower of Jesus. And so that's what we're going to talk about. And, and different from physical laws, where we could ignore the physical laws and 
we will immediately reap the consequences of ignoring the physical laws. The, the kingdom's principles, sometimes we just choose to ignore, ignore them and we don't see the benefits of employing them in our lives. We don't, um, we don't think that they're important in our life and we can ignore them and, and, and not necessarily see the repercussions like if we ignore a physical law. But there are benefits to following kingdom principles, and then we'll talk about them. So, so here, here's what we need to do as we enter into these. Each week, I want to ask this one question. It's, I call it the big question that I, we're going to ask as we look at a different kingdom principle. And here's the big question. The big question is, what kind of Christ follower do I want to be? This is a question I want all of us to, to ask and to answer. What kind of Christ follower do I want us to be? And here, here's what I mean by that, that, that question, is that we have to decide in our lives what kind of person I'm going to be. Today, what kind of Tom am I going to be? Am I going to be the best Tom I can be? When I wake up in the morning, am I going to, am I going to physically be the best that I could be in how I eat and how I exercise? In my mind, am I going to be the best I can be in how I study and how I educate myself? In my spirit, am I going to be the best I could be in how I communicate with God and how I live out his kingdom in my life? I have a 14-year-old son. 14-year-old boys start to recognize females. And so my son likes girls. I'll make that statement. And so here's, here's the situation with my son and liking girls. He goes to a public school and he watches TV and he's on the internet and his buddies at school and what he watches on TV and what he watches on the internet are teaching him how to treat and relate to girls. And sometimes what he's being taught is not necessarily what I have taught him or what I want him to learn about how to treat women. And sometimes what he's being taught at school is not necessarily what the Bible tells him how he should treat women. And so I had a conversation with my son, and I said, listen, son, I said, I know at school you're hearing this and you're seeing that and you're being told this and the guys are talking about this. I said, but, you know, you're a deeks, and deeks do things different. We try. Uh, and I said, you know, you know, we don't want to objectify women. We don't want to look at women based on the bathing suit that they're wearing. We want to look at them in the beauty that, you know, as God created them. We want to treat, and I'm saying that, I'm hoping some dads that have teenage daughters are going, hey, good job, Tom, because um, I hope you're talking to your teenage sons because I have daughters. Um, but I'm telling him, <laughs> I'm telling him you know, you, you have these decisions to make on how you're going to treat girls and what kind of person you're going to be. Now, here's what I could have done with him. I could have said, Zach, you're not allowed to do this, 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 and this. Do not do this, this, this. You have to do these things. And then he, he would have tried to walk out and follow all these rules that I lay out for him. And when he fails, then it's like, okay, punishment time. You're a failure. You're miserable. But instead, I said, here's, here's your option, son. You can do what the world tells you to do, and you can you know, walk as you know, a teenage boy treating women the way the world tells you to, or you can make a decision based on your relationship with God and what's, and, and what's proper, but you have to be the one to choose how you're going to be towards girls. I said, you have to be the one. It's your decision. You decide in your heart what kind of man you're going to be in relationship with girls. And my belief is this. My belief is that when he makes that decision, that's going to be his conviction. That's going to be what he has chosen to do, not because I've laid out a bunch of rules, and that he'll walk that out because he's made the decision in his, in his heart. 
And so, and so in the same way, the, what I'm equating that to is as followers of Jesus, we can, we can do one of two things. We could take the, our relationship with Jesus like a triple like A card and we could put, it in, put him in our back pocket and we could say, you know, I'll pull Jesus out when times get rough. When I got, you know, a flat of life or my, you know, a breakdown of life, I'm going to pull my Jesus out and say, you know, Jesus, I, I need you today. Can you come through for me? You got to come through for me because I'm in a pickle. Or we could say, you know, the kind of follower of Jesus I want to be is one that, that walks by the principles that the scriptures lay out for me. I want to choose to be the best follower of Jesus and walk in, in, in God's will in my life 100%. And, and I believe that when we employ the, the kingdom principles that are in the Bible, we, we, we walk in that. We move towards that. Do we do it all the time? Do we fail? Absolutely. But our movement is towards, towards walking in in the kingdom, as citizens of the kingdom of God. So, so that's, that's the big question. What kind of Christ follower do you want to be? What kind of Christ follower do I want to be? I have to make that decision, and I have, to, I have to wake up every morning, and I have to because I'm not smart enough or good enough to make it you know, a week or two weeks. I have to wake up every morning and say, what kind of Christ follower am I going to be today? And I, and I have to commit. And so as we look at these kingdom principles... This is the question that we have to, we have to weigh them off of. Okay, so, so this morning we're going to talk about a, the kingdom principle of gratitude. Okay, and as, you know, as children, you, you, as parents, you teach your children this. As children, you're taught this. You know, what do you say? What do you say to the nice man? Thank you. What do you say to the waitress? Thank you. What do you say? Because I just gave you a cookie. Thank you. We're, we're taught to say thank you, but gratitude goes a little bit deeper. Here's a, here's a simple, I think there's a, yeah, the quality of being thankful. So thankfulness is tied into gratitude, but it's also the readiness to show appreciation for and to, um, for, show appreciation for and to return the kindness. So, so you can read in the, in the Bible, in, in the Psalm, there's, you know, it's all about being thankful to God, praising God for his, who he is, praising God for his gratefulness. We sang about our, our gratefulness, our gratitude towards God. When we worship, we're actually coming into a place of, of saying, God, we are grateful for the life that you've given us, for who you are in our life. And so, so that's what this, that's what this, this heart of, of gratitude is. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to just take a couple seconds and just, just you know, close your eyes and just think about who or what you're, you're grateful for. Who or what you're thankful for. I can imagine as you close your eyes, some, some pictures came to your mind, some people came to your mind, maybe your, your parents, maybe your grandparents, maybe your grandchildren as you, as you hold them, maybe, maybe your spouse or your significant other, somebody that you love, you're thankful for. How about a sibling? Anybody thankful for their siblings? How about a BFF? Thankful for a BFF? Justin, Jeff, where are you guys at? <laughs> BFFs over here. <laughs> were you thankful for God? Was God was God one that you know that you said, God, I'm just so so thankful for you in my life. Now, now the gratitude is: do we show that? Do do we actually express that to God? Do we express that to the people that that came to mind? 
Let's look at um, Luke chapter 17. Because there's a situation where, where Jesus was at play in some people's life and, there's the, and, and some, some gratitude took place. It says, you know, Jesus now on his way to, to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the borders between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance and they called in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. That means they were healed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise up and go. Your faith has made you well. So, so here's, here's just in this scripture, just a couple of points that we need, to, we need to think about. First, you got these lepers. lepers. They, you know, they had this disease. They were outcasts. They didn't even approach Jesus. They just stood believing and said, Jesus, heal us, heal us. And Jesus, the, with his, the heart that he had, has his love for us. He, he says, go show yourselves to the priest. Now, that's a weird, a weird response for us. But what that meant is he was making them whole. He was healing them. And, and as a, a duty in, in that custom, they would have to go to the priest, religious, r- ritually. The priest would have to um, basically say, you are healed. You are now accepted back into society. Okay, so, th- so that's why go show yourselves to the priest. As they were going, obviously they're healed, and only one comes back. One comes back to show his gratitude to what Jesus had done in his life. And, and it's important to know that the one that came back was a Samaritan. The Samaritans were, were um, hereditary enemies of the Jews. It's, 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 um, the other nine would have been Jewish, these other nine would have been raised with the scriptures. They would have been raised with the Psalms to be, to, to be taught gratitude and to, taught to give God thanks. And yet they went on with their ritual, their religious duties, and, and forgot to come back and show gratitude to the, to the God that healed them. And the one that was the outcast, the one that, that wasn't taught, supposedly, the religious ways was the one that returned and said and, and praised God. I, I think there's a lot to be said there. I think there's a lot to say that, that we sometimes get caught up in who we are and we forget to remember what God's done in our life. I think it also says that, that it's, it does, we don't have to, it's not because you sit in this church that you have the ability to have, have gratitude, that, to walk that out in your life. I think it shows that the, the person who is the outcast may have a, a greater grasp on spiritual and kingdom principles than, than the, the religious do. But one out of ten came back. I, I read this article that said in, in the UK, in England, um, one in ten people attend church per week. One in ten people claim to be a Christian and attend church on a regular basis to worship and show thanks to God. And, and the challenge when I read that is not just the in, in the attendance of church, but in the, the heart of gratitude. Am I a 10 percenter? Do I fit in that one, one out of 10? Or am I a 90 percenter? 
Do I go along with my day, do my thing, and forget to show gratitude in, in, in this world to the God that has saved me, to the people in my life that have loved me? So that's a question. Imagine yourself chained up, hands and feet, on a cold, dark, wet prison floor. The steps of the, of the guard as they come, you don't know if, you're coming, if they're coming to take you away for execution or what they're coming for. You've been beaten. You've been accused. Some trumped up charges against you that aren't true, that are false, and you're sitting in prison and you're waiting your fate. What kind of, what kind of mindset would we be in? What kind of attitude would we have? It'd be pretty rough, wouldn't it? But, but we could read about a guy named Paul and use him as an example today to show that this guy wrote letters to churches, wrote a major portion of the, of the New Testament while time's in prison like this. And most of his letters are expressing thankfulness and gratitude to God and to the people that he's writing to. And so, and so just to cover a couple points, I want, I want to use this and I want to ask the question that when should we show thankfulness? When should we be, show gratitude? And, and using Paul, the answer is obvious. It's all the time. First Thessalonians, I, I don't know, is it up there? It, it says, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. If my outward circumstances should not dictate my level of gratitude and thankfulness, that tells me that that comes from deeper within. That comes from something that's rock solid in my life. And so regardless of what's taking place on the surface, my heart of gratitude, my heart of thankfulness, the principle that's applied in my life is not affected. Paul was this guy who's, who's sitting in prison, in a, and it's not prison like today, and he's writing, talking about how thankful he is for what God has done in his life. So my gratitude should come from my knowing who I am to God, for knowing what God has done for me, and for knowing my place as a citizen in his kingdom. So I should, I should, be, I should be thankful all the time. The next question I, I want to answer is, is who should we show gratitude to? And I think, I think that's the, the, the question, the answer is obvious. And again, with Paul, we can see that, that first it's to God. In Philippians, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. Do you see that? Through our gratitude and thankfulness, we'll experience God's peace. And it exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 5.20 says, give, us, give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if you read about Paul's life before Jesus, Paul was, was passionate. He had a lot of zeal. He, he was running head steam forward with, with his vision for life. And then he meets Jesus. That passion, that zeal gets redirected into his relationship with God. And when Paul sits in prison, that's why he can write these things. That's why he can, he can understand, I was, I was this kind of a person, I met God, now I'm this kind of a person, and this kind of a person, regardless of my outward circumstances, I can be thankful to God. I know God has saved me. I know my future in God's kingdom. And so we're, we're thankful, we're thankful for God. Also, we show gratitude to others. 
And Paul's doing this as well. He writes in Philippians 1, 3, he says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. The whole letter of Philippians is a thank you note to this church because of their support that they're showing towards Paul. And so, so who, who should we show gratitude to? First, it's God. It's all the time. And it's to others. It's this, it's this heart, heart attitude that we carry, and it's a kingdom principle. There's some benefits that come along with us being grateful people, having gratitude. The first benefit that I want to just show is that it helps us love God back. When, when we are grati- grat- have gr- gratefulness towards God, we're loving him back. We're saying, thank you for the life you've given me. Thank you for the work you've done in my life. We continue to recognize that it's God who sustains us. It's, secondly, it's a, it's a form of spiritual worship. Psalms 100 says this, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise, give thanks to God, to him, and praise his name. When we worship here on Sunday mornings, when we worship in our home, when music's playing and we're singing, when we're praying, it's our heart gratitude saying, God, it's you that gives me life. I recognize that. I worship you for that. I thank you for that. It teaches us to discipline our thoughts. That's the third one. Philippians 4.8. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy and praise. I have to ask myself, is there a shift of my thoughts from me, me, me to being grateful for what I have and who has provided it to me? It's different. It's, con- it's contrary to, to the world we live in, isn't it? The world we live in tells us take care of ourselves. Don't worry about yourself. Think about others later. A grateful heart says, I, I have all I need. God supplied what I have. God saved me. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the others in my life and what they bring into my life. And that, that, that's a, a fourth benefit, and that's that we have a, a, a posture of humility. Humility says, I know that I can't do it on my own. It recognizes my need for God and for others in my life. A humble person is a, is a thankful person. A proud person thinks that they can do it all their own. They think they got it figured out. They think they got it made. They don't, they don't need to thank anybody for anything. What can you provide for me? I've got it figured out. A thankful person has a heart of, of humility that says, I, I need people in my life. I don't have it figured out. I need you in my life. Some spiritual benefits to employing the kingdom principle of gratitude. On top of spiritual benefits, there's physical benefits that come our way. This, this is kind of a, a, a shift in my thinking um, about God. So, so I'll, I'll confess that growing up, nobody ever sat me down and taught me this, but it was this insinuation in my life that science and God are at war. And, 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 and I think the reason why I had this opinion was because, um, you know, in, in, in science class in high school, you're, you're taught about evolution and Big Bang and stuff. And I'm thinking, no, I was taught creation, so they're, so they're fighting against each other. And, and what I'm learning is that science and God, there, there's a synergy with science and God. Why? Because God created. And, and what we have is... is is what God created. And so, and so science, science can, can prove God. It, it can intersect with my belief with God in such a way that, 
that actually shows, becomes a beautiful thing. I, I was talking to somebody last week, and they said, it's because we're holistic people, Tom. And I, I had to think, well, that's a word I don't like either. Holistic sounds guru to me. I have to wash some religion out of me is what needs to happen, or God needs to wash it out. But the, the idea is, you know, we're mind, body, spirit. We're, we're whole people. And so, so of course, it, there's a, a blend. So, so, so when we employ God's principles, you know, in our life, we see these, these spiritual benefits, but also there's just natural physical benefits. Joe and I were listening to this podcast about this guy, this doctor who's an expert in your digestive system. It was a fascinating podcast about your digestive system. I could go into it if you want. What this guy said, though, is he was talking about how when we are at peace, when, 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 when we're calm and we eat, our body actually goes into a state that helps our food digest better than when we eat in a rush and in stress. And, and here's what he suggested. He suggested that before you eat, pause for a minute and just be thankful for the food before you. Now, this guy was coming from a totally secular point of view. He, 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 there was no God about this guy's talk, but he's, he's employing a spiritual principle in what he's saying. Because what do we do before we eat? We pause and we say, Jesus, thank you for this food that's before us. We, we give grace. We say thanks, thanksgiving. We say the prayer. But, but you think about the benefit of being a, gr- a grateful person. I think there's a chart up there that shows all these different benefits. But I, as I listen to this podcast, I realize, oh, there's a spiritual principle at play here that if I just pause and, and learn to take a meal in peace and, 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 and be thankful for what's sitting before me, it actually benefits how my body's going to digest that food. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? I never, I never, I never saw the connection of how this plays out, but, but I believe that that's there. And so, and so it's not just something that, a principle that we employ because we're children of God and because we, we, we want to be the best Christ followers that God's called us to be, but it's also there's benefits that come our way and there's things in our life that, that will, can, can change because of an attitude of, of gratitude. Did not mean to say that. Who picked up that? That was a rhyme. Sleeping. I'm done here. Let me, let me give you some practical application for this, okay? Because I, I, I feel like there's maybe one or two um, kingdom principles that we're going to talk about that, um, that you might, it may be like, wow, that, that's something new. Most of these, I feel like we've been taught these things. We could read about these things in the scripture and, and we're, they're there. There's nothing new you've just said, Tom. But I think that the, the application is what will adjust how we, how we walk as Christ followers. So here, here, here's the first thing. To, to ask the question, and, and I think that I wrote down in my notes to answer the question, what kind of Christ follower do I want to be? Go home this week and, 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 and make a decision on that question. Answer that in your life. What kind of Christ follower do you want to be? Do you want to be a Christ follower that is a Jesus is my AAA card? Or do you want to be a Christ follower that says, I'm going to jump into the kingdom of God, my place in God's kingdom as citizens of heaven, and I'm going to walk out this life in the, in the, the, the principles of me being a child of God? Answer that. And you have to be honest with yourself because that's, that's going to dictate how you employ the, these kingdom principles. Next, sit down and express your thankfulness to God. Maybe write it down. Maybe journal out all the great things 
God has done for you. The times in life where you couldn't make it through and God provided for you. The times in life where life stunk. You were dealing with sorrow. You were dealing with pain. And God carried you through. Write those out and express those to God. Ask God to give you a heart of gratitude. Then do the same for the people in your life. Tell them. Don't just think about it, but go and say, hey, thank you for that time when, and fill in the blank. Show, you, show a heart of gratitude. Choose to be a person that's going to walk out this kingdom principle. We willing to do that? It's going to be hard because we're selfish people. I'm saying that personally. It's going to be hard, but, but we can commit to do this and we can walk in God's kingdom. So why don't you stand with me? Dave's going to come up and, and introduce um, ministry time and, and just share with us some, some stuff that, that during prayer time um, God shared with, with the group. And uh, just a great time for us to respond to, to the, God's word and to worship and, and to ask God to, to join in with what we're dealing with in life. So this morning,